Hey guys, if you are listening to this podcast, the chances are you have headaches or migraines and you're searching for relief outside of medication. Well, maybe you've tried different products on the market or devices, traction units, things like that, but they haven't really scratched that itch and provided you with the relief you're looking for. Well, what we've done here at Novera is taken the principles that we teach and abide by in our in-person care and come up with a product that allows you to apply those same pressures and improving mobility to the upper part of your neck at home. You see, it's called the SAM device, Simple Affordable Migraine Relief. And the device allows you to improve mobility to the upper part of your neck. And we are excited to announce that it's available today on our website. Visit NoveraHeadacheCenter.com. Click on the SAM device page where you can look at videos and learn more about the SAM product and purchase it for yourself and start treating your headaches and migraines more naturally without medication. Again, that's NoveraHeadacheCenter.com and click on the SAM device page to purchase your very own SAM device today. everyone, and welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Taves. As always, it's our mission on this podcast to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication. Today's podcast, we are going to have a discussion with Dr. Jeff Yell. He's a dentist and has his own personal story of how he got into what is called biological dentistry or biologic dentistry. Maybe you've heard of biologic dentistry. Maybe you haven't. I personally am, was unfamiliar with the ins and outs of what that meant. And so this conversation was beneficial for me personally. And uh, what I do is I interview these providers so that you, the listener, can also come alongside my own personal journey of understanding how to better care for those of you that have headaches and migraines. So Jeff, and in this conversation, he's going to expose some of the common practices within the dental industry that maybe are not as helpful or healthy as we assume they are. And there's an alternative approach that can, one, maybe reduce the level of inflammation, but also is tied to these common symptoms of headaches and migraine. So this is going to be incredibly helpful for you, the listener. I think it's going to be pretty eye-opening for a lot of the listeners out there. It was for me. So without further ado, here's my interview with uh, Dr. Jeff Yell. All right, Jeff, welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. It's good to have you. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I'm excited to have you because we've we've never had someone in your specific niche within healthcare talk to our audience that has headaches and migraines. Okay. Yeah. So it's it'll be a fun conversation. I uh, I personally, uh, sort of selfishly, I have providers on the podcast because I, I get to learn and I get to understand what else is out there. And uh, as I've been doing this podcast and having other um, providers on that are outside the traditional like allopathic model, it's been it's been really really helpful uh, to just expand the scope of what people are needing when they're experiencing headaches and migraines. So, with that, 
I want you to give us kind of your story and your background. Uh, how how did you get into biological dentistry? And, and we'll talk about what that means, but give us your, like the evolution of where you started and where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. So the evolution, um, you know, so I graduated from dental school. So I went to Virginia Commonwealth University, just very, you know, you come out being very traditional. Um, and I, I worked at an emergency practice doing, um, you know, just basically emergencies, tooth extractions, dentures. So still very traditional. And it really was when I actually, um, we moved out here to Colorado when I bought my practice out here, I was, I was still in the very traditional mindset. Um, but, you know, I was always kind of interested in health and, you know, trying to avoid medications, things like that. Like that's always just been my lifestyle. You know, my wife and I are kind of health nuts, watching what we eat, doing it, all that. So it's always kind of been in the background. But then I got into it and I was like, okay, like I want to start providing amalgam removal for people. So that was kind of like my first step into the into the realm. You know, so you kind of sign up through an organization called the IAOMT, which is um, kind of one of our governing bodies. Their, their big platform is getting mercury out of people's mouths, which is for people who don't know, amalgams are the, the silver fillings that they put in and they're about 50% mercury. And so they have a, actually a, a training program on how to remove them efficiently. And in school, you always said, okay, this is just a bunch of, you know, junk or it's not really backed up by science. And when I was going through the, the reading and everything, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is totally backed by science. Like this is very well documented. It's very well researched, you know, like this is just like, you know, this is what we should be doing. And so that was kind of like the first one to be like, you know, then you just start questioning everything. It's like, well, what else isn't true, right? Like what, what else can I look into? And I found, you know, the group of either what you call biologic dentists, holistic dentists, just to be really very, very research oriented. And really, you know, they do try to, you know, have the science to back it up. Um, and so then that kind of sparked just an interest. And from there, I've just kind of gone down the rabbit hole. And after that course, I took a few other ones. And um, then I actually became certified as a naturopath. So I'm actually a board certified naturopath. And then that kind of really exploded. Um, and during that time, I kind of got disenfranchised with, you know, started getting disenfranchised with traditional medicine. Um, but it was actually, uh, I brought my um, my oldest son to a functional medicine doctor and he had kind of picked up on some issues that we had been dealing with for gosh, like 15 years. And that's when I just <laughs> kind of was like, okay, like allopathic medicine, and unless you're in a car accident and you, you need to get put back together, it's just not the way to stay healthy and it's not the way to, th to thrive. And so, you know, that's kind of how I've just kind of progressed down. And, you know, now most of the research I do and most of my classes is, you know, trying to get down to the root cause of different issues and, and how do we get there and you know and, and biologic dentistry too root canals are always a hot topic which we'll probably get into a little bit later but um yeah that's kind of the the short version of how it how it progressed you know it involved a lot of travel a lot of education hundreds and hundreds of hours of continuing education to learn a new way of doing things but um I, once you kind of open your eyes it's you can't go back yeah <laughs> yeah uh that's Actually, most of the providers I've had on, it's just that asking the question why over and over leads leads them down this path of uh, seeing the, the gaps or the holes uh, in our – and how we're handling certain uh, situations. And, and I think just healthcare in general, regardless of like the diagnosis, the the paradigm that 
the allopathic model, model or Western medicine models looking at things, it doesn't ask the question why. Like it doesn't continue down that journey of trying to really discover what's happening. And there's different, you know, there's different reasons for, for why it's stopping short. But it's just uh, every provider I've talked to has that just innate desire to truly help. And at some point is feeling like I'm not, I'm not doing as much as I could. Do you have that? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that resonates exactly with what I see. You know, I've found whether you want to call it alternative providers or, you know, your functional medicine doctors, your, you know, whoever you're talking to, it is like they're true clinicians that really just can't just put a patch on things and just be like, okay, that's it. It's like, you're always wondering like, why didn't this work? Or like, how could I have done better? And it's that, that internal drive, I think that we all have to just keep digging and keep trying to, you know, figure out exactly what's going on and how can you truly get to the root cause of the issue? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with a definition, the definition of biological dentistry. I think that's a term I would assume most people, this might be the first time hearing it, or maybe if they've heard in the past, no one's really defined it. Yeah. So I, there really is no definition. Okay. Right. So, you know, when you go into dentistry, we have our specialists and those have a clear, like, this is the education pathway I got to, to, to do that. And biologic dentistry, or whether you call it holistic dentistry or anything, there is kind of like a, a pathway where my peers and people I look up to have kind of followed, you know, there's kind of like these educational like landmarks that you kind of do and you kind of look at that guy and go, oh, well, he did that. So, you know, and I, I really respect him. So I'm going to go do that. But there really isn't like a true definition, right? I would probably say, um, you know, you really as a biologic dentist, you really need to um, just have open eyes and really just be able to look at the rest of the body and say, okay, how is the how is your oral components really affecting the rest of this? You know, um, but there's no clear credentialing or anything like that. It's I, I think it's definitely needed, you know, because um, I. I think some people are doing a, a fantastic job. I think some people might not be doing that great of a job. I, you know, you never know. Um, but there, there really isn't a, a true definition. By just the nature of what we do, I think we, you know, I find in my practice that I just treat really sensitive people. You know, like and I'm sure you see it too. Like, you know, they they can't tolerate medications. They really can't tolerate the dental anesthetics. You know, so those are all cl chosen really very particular for each patient. You know, so it's uh it really is that kind of patient base, and and you know, you become successful if you actually have the tools and the knowledge to treat those patient bases. You know, so anybody could go and say, okay, I'm a I'm a biological dentist, but you know, you get somebody with Lyme's disease chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, you know, all these things, and they're going to walk in your door and you're just going to look at and go, I don't know what to do. You yeah. know? So it's that, it's that education and the experience of getting to treat these patients that really, I think sets you apart. Um, but that's kind of the, the loose definition, but us as there's organizations, we really should get some clear guidelines and, and say, okay, these are the steps you need to take in order to say, okay, I'm practicing this type of dentistry. Yeah. I, I think as far as uh, the structure, like historically, I believe that comes with time. And so just as humans, we need to wait, we need a way to signal of like, this is the category that I'm in. And it's, it's just, we're moving away from the traditional, I've heard it 
called drill and fill yeah. uh, type of dentistry. And uh, so, yeah, in my world too, there's there's really no such thing as a certification to be a headache specialist as a physical therapist. We might be one of the only physical therapy clinics in the country that's doing this sort of work. There are others, but um, just a handful. And so stepping into an area that's kind of like uncharted, it's um, I, I really admire and appreciate providers that do it. I resonate with that. And I, I, going back to the asking the question why and then getting to the answer and really not caring what your peers consider of like the trajectory you're headed down. Cause like you said in school, it's, um, it's, yeah, you're, you're put into a category of like sort of that's nonsense or like that's not even worth pursuing. And, uh, so you're taking some risk as a provider. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You do definitely. Um, you kind of step outside the bounds of like normal, ed- like normal education to say, okay, like what's you know? I guess normal education has this box, right? And everybody for for any progress, we got to get out of that box. And so it takes some risk, and it takes somebody who says, "Well, I'm going to step out on my own." And you know, I, I'm lucky actually. For me, I mean, biologic dentistry probably started. Well, gosh, I mean, it, there was Hal Huggins here in the Springs, you know, back, gosh, decades ago. And, you know, he kind of started it, but he was really put on, you know, like ostracized and got like kind of shunned by our profession. And so for me personally, like those guys did all the hard work, you know, so I'm kind of riding on the coattails of a lot sure. of people and I can be good, but you do, you got to kind of be comfortable, like stepping outside and, and, you know, being that, you know, person that's just, you know, outside of the norm. When you go to the, the dental meetings, they just kind of look at you with like a weird face and they're like, oh, what do you do? Like, oh, you know, I, I do this <laughs> and, and try to kind of hide over by the water fountains and nobody talks to you, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's really, there's uh there's no reason to hide and there's no, every reason no. to promote what we're doing. Yeah, so, exactly. For the people that have headaches and migraines that are listening to this, that are they're they're trying to connect the dots for their specific situation, and I want I want you to tell us. I'm going to ask you a really broad, general question, and then we can get down to the specifics. Okay. But why would someone with headaches or migraines work with a provider like you? Hey guys, if you're looking to take the next step to feeling empowered and in control of your own health, I want to introduce to you our Headache and Migraine Masterclass. In our Masterclass are six lessons laying out in detail why you're struggling to find answers, our top exercises for self-management, and what types of providers to look for. So take back control of your health by visiting NoveraHeadacheCenter.com backslash courses and using the promo code podcast at checkout to get 10% off. Yeah. So, um, there's a few good reasons with headache and migraines, right? Um, so when in the mouth, you're going to find a lot of areas that can be undiagnosed chronic inflammation, right? And so, I mean, I, migraines and headaches are not my world, but I imagine that you're seeing people that are just kind of like tipping over the bucket with inflammation sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so in the mouth, you can have failing root canals that are, um, just, you know, have infection in them. You know, there's a, a hot topic about root canals just in general. If they're, uh, if they're, you, you should even have them. We're actually the only profession that keeps a, a dead. 
piece of ourselves in our body. You know, everybody else removes it, right? So you have these root canals that often fail. You know, it's a dead tooth. And so they can have abscesses. They can have reinfection around it. And unless you get to somebody who's going to take a kind of a different look at it with, you know, 3D x-ray, something like, like that, then you won't know. Um, and then you really have to look at like, you know, is there another thing that we look at that, you know, a traditional dentist doesn't look at is actually galvanization in the mouth. Right. So that's actually a huge one. So the difference in galvanization for people who aren't aware is actually different metals can cause an electrical potential. Right. So in dentistry, we've used metals for years and years and years, where with either maybe a gold crown or you have those old amalgam fillings. Well, if those are opposing each other, then you're creating a, an electrical electrical potential. That electrical potential, and don't quote me on this, but last time I read the study is actually 10 times the the potential that your nerve causes. Really? So, and you're, I mean, if you have that on your back molar, it's what, maybe two inches from your brain. And so if you have an amalgam filling on the bottom and a gold crown on the top, which is very, very common, every time you bite in together and your saliva, that's creating electrical potential that's giving you zings there. So, you know, just kind of looking at those and, you know, some people can tolerate it. Some people can't, you know, it just depends on you and how sensitive you are. Right. So those are a couple, probably the big things that we look at. And I mean, we do, we, you know, I'd still do yeah, general dentistry where we treat, you know, what we call periodontal disease, which is chronic inflammation. I mean, we treat it with, you know, different specific things that, you know, other places don't. Um, but we really do get a good job of, you know, a decreasing inflammation in the mouth, yep. which can be con- contributing to the whole body. And two, the other one that we see is that, is that electrical potential problems. Yeah. yeah. So we, we talk about thresholds a lot on the podcast yeah. and inflammation impacting thresholds is a big thing. Uh, I want to understand more about the, the root canal and the danger or the, let me ask this. Are root canals just inherently bad? Like, like having a root canal, having this sort of empty cavity, where the nerve was and we removed it. And like, I know that there's, you know, sort of this, this space of potential for bacterial growth. Um, so should, should everyone that's had a root canal then consider, um, it, it would it be pulling the tooth? What is the process there? Yeah. So, you know, that's a, a very loaded question. And okay. I, I don't think you can have, I mean, my true philosophy, um, is I don't know if you can have any absolutes in the human body, yep. right? Like I think there's thresholds for everybody and some people's thresholds are super high and some yep. people's thresholds are super low and can't tolerate anything, right? Um, so, you know, I it really, in my practice, if we have a tooth that's failing and either needs extraction or root canal, like it's got an abscess or something, it's a we usually have an hour-long conversation just to discuss the pros and cons of it. Gotcha. Right? Um, but... You know, in theory, you know, with a root canal, the 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 negative um, side of it is that, you know, we have one little what we call a canal that goes through the center of the tooth where all the blood vessels and nerves come through, right? And so bacteria gets into that canal. Well, we go through and we take that canal out and then well, an endodontist does, you know, somebody who's skilled in that procedure because I, I do feel that's one of the most technical procedures in dentistry. Um, so an endodontist can go through and they can remove that. And nowadays they can clean it out with laser, with ozone, a couple of these other different kind of techniques. So it's a different procedure. 
But the old traditional way is they would take it out and then they would put a piece of rubber down in there. And they do a couple bunch of other stuff in there. But, you know, if you actually look at a tooth under like 100X or 200X with an electron microscopy, there's actually a ton of these like canal, like they're microscopic canals all through it. Like there's no way we're cleaning that out with the old ways of doing it, right? So then are you actually just harboring those bacteria and mold and other things, you know, and then is that chronic inflammation that your body can't handle, right? And, you know, maybe if you have one of them and you, and then you're up the rest of your life is you're on point, you know, you're, you know, you don't do gluten, you don't do dairy, you meditate, you, you know, you're just one of these Zen people like, yeah, you're, you're probably fine. But, you know, if you've got, you know, chronic fatigue, you got fibromyalgia, you've got a history of cancer, you got a history of autoimmune disease, can your body really tolerate that? Mm. Probably not. And we used to actually biopsy a lot of these root canals, and you can and you can do it. Um, there's actually a lab right here in Colorado Springs that does it. Um, and I'll tell you, they never come back. They they always come back with mold and like crazy things. You know, really? Yeah, I've I've never had one. I, I just honestly stopped doing them because it was like extra cost to my patients, and I was like, I can do it for you if you want, but I, I guarantee, like, if I biopsy this, gonna find. you're going to come back and you're going to be like. I want this tooth out of my head, like right now, like, like, let's do it. I want Like, I, I don't want these things in my body. Um, so, wow. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very hard choice. Cause you know, we don't have, and then we don't have like great options to replace teeth still, right? Like implants are, are okay, but it's a foreign material, you know, and, and we were using, we're still using metal, which, you know, is an okay choice for some patients. Now we have zirconia, which is a porcelain, which is a little more biocompatible. Um, but, you know, it's still not your tooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's just, it's the best we have, but it's not great, you know. And if you have, gosh, if it's a, a young girl and you have a front tooth, like, that's a hard, that's a real hard decision, you right. know, especially if you're really concerned about it, you know? So it's a, it's a little bit of a loaded question. So, I mean, I, I guess I would say just do your best to avoid them at all costs. Yeah. You know, that's the, uh, that's don't tr- try not to go down that path, but when you have to go down that path, you know, I really, yeah, you, you got to see a biological dentist or somebody who's going to actually remove it correctly or somebody who's going to be really skilled at, you know, doing the root canal if you make that choice. And then, you know, I we follow up with those consistently. Like yeah. we, we watch them like hawks and we say, okay, like you made that, you know, if you want to make that decision and that's the way you want to go, we'll support you in that. But we're going to do everything we can to monitor, to, to monitor that tooth and to make sure that it's not causing systemic problems. So am I hearing correctly that the the old procedure where you said they they replace it with rubber like they but they put rubber yeah so they put this, so that that's they, higher risk uh yeah so the old the, the older way of doing it I don't think is when you say stable. older like give us a give me a time frame I would probably say previous to like ten years like they just the really big, it's it's relatively recent there's actually um, an endodontist Dr Val Cantor out in California who's kind of pioneered a new way of doing them um, where you know not only do they uh, clean the tooth out but they actually clean it out with a laser they clean it out with ozone they clean it out with this like um, uh, pressure system 
and then they seal it with a bioceramic sealer. So it's a it's a different it's a different beast. I, I I went to her course and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And she showed me all the steps, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's way too complicated. Like um, I will send people your way. <laughs> like have like go for it, rock on. And she's really good, but still, you know, like I don't even think it's a good choice if you have like if you're one of these like patients, and I'm sure you have a lot of these patients in your practice, like the chronic migraines, right? Fibromyalgia, maybe a little autoimmune component. Mm. And I don't know. I don't think that that's a good choice for you, you know, because it's like, you know, your body has to, your immune system has to keep that tooth in check. Like yeah. It's not like it's perfect and you're good to go. Like it's substandard at this point and you have to, you have, your body has to work to do it. So if you, you know, you look at the human body as a bucket, right. And you're going to become dysregulated or sick once your bucket tips over, that's going to fill your bucket up a little bit and you're not going to have the space for other things. And, you know, we live in a soup nowadays of, you know, gluten and you know glyphosate and all those other things that we're constantly subjected to. So I, mean, I think all of our buckets are half full already and you got to maintain just to do that. So then if you've got all these other maybe genetic components or family histories of this, you know, that, that might not be a, might not be a good choice for you. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, when, yeah. It, when it comes to biologic dentist, is it, um, so we have a lot of listeners from around the country, even outside of the United States, if uh, if if they're living like in a major city and they do a quick Google search, should they be able to find someone that can help them? Yeah, you can. Um, it, really, the there's two kind of like governing bodies or like big groups that a lot of us are part of. Um, the IAOMT is one, and the IABDM. So it's the International Association of Oral Medical Toxicology. Um, and their big platform is kind of mercury removal. Um, but usually guys kind of get into that and do that because that's pretty standard, kind of like one of the low hanging fruit in biologic dentistry. Um, and then there's also the IABDM, which is the International Association of Biologic Dental Medicine. Um, that's another, that's another good one. Um, and then really, if you're really looking for somebody who's super qualified, I would look for somebody who has a certification in uh, naturopathy. So mm -hmm. a lot of us do. And there's um, a mentor of mine, Dr. Phil Mollica, who has actually started – he's been doing a school for the – um, naturopaths and, you know, it's for dentists who are just kind of getting into that. And like, once you go through that, I really feel like you've got a good solid understanding of all the different like alternative tools and techniques that you can use. Um, so if finding anybody with a DDS and then an NMD after their name, usually you're pretty good. You know, so if you go on their website and it's like, oh, I've done training in naturopathy, ozone, other things like that, like that's where you really know, like, okay, this person's legit, like they've done it. Um, or if you actually even go on the American Academy of Ozone Therapy, you know, like as biologic dentists, we use a lot of ozone. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with it at all. Um, but, you know, a lot of those guys have done a bunch of extra training and are pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. T tell us about ozone. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So there ozone, you go. I'll ozone, you <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Ozone is probably uh, my favorite, my favorite thing. It's something, um, so ozone is a gas, right? Yeah. Like it's O3. And so we use it in dentistry. Um, you know, we have a medical grade ozone generator and we have a medical grade oxygen. And so we add it on there. So you can use ozone for like a ton of stuff. And I've seen 
just super great results in my practice since I started using it. It's something where I was kind of like when I first went to the training, I'm like, okay, this is just like you fill a syringe full of this air and then you kind of put it on the tooth and it kind of looks like magic and like it doesn't really work. Like, does this really work? Am I actually even doing anything? Like, I don't know. Am I blowing air on the tooth? But, you know, actually, I'll tell you the first um, – so when I first started using ozone, one of the first things you can do is actually you can desensitize teeth with it. So we get a lot of people, you know, probably you see this in your migraine patients, they clench it, they clench their teeth together, you know, like the muscles are super tight, they clench, they end up getting recession on their teeth. So, you know, once you clench your teeth together and you rock them side to side, what happens is actually the bone shrinks down around the tooth and then you get little, like the, you get long in the tooth, so to speak, right? That's where that saying comes from, where the under part of the tooth gets exposed. Well, that a lot of times is really sensitive to cold water ice cream, different things like that, right? And you can go through and you can do gum grafts, you can do all these other things to try and fix it. But sometimes people aren't candidates for it. So um, that's where ozone, when I started getting into ozone, that's where it really became like, oh, this works. Because I actually had a patient and they used to wear a scarf around their teeth all winter long because it worked. And I was like, look, I just took this training. I don't even know if this is going to work. Like, let's try it. Like, it's supposed to desensitize things. That's three years ago. Like we desensitize it, never came back. Really? You know? So wow. yeah, it was it was awesome. So now like we use it under and it really is a great desensitizer, but it's also a disinfectant. So ozone gas is antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral. Like nothing withstands it. You know, that's why you saw a big like push of these like ozone generators people would put in their offices during COVID just to like disinfect everything. Right. So it really does disinfect stuff. So We'll use it in extraction sockets to disinfect the extraction socket. Um, we use it under fillings to, you know, desensitize the tooth. Um, we'll actually do it for like facial pain sometimes, you know, wow. when you have like this like undiagnosed, like chronic facial pains, like those it actually works really well for. Um, you know, so we use it a, a lot. And even now, like, you know, if you go in medical providers, we'll actually take blood out, mix it with ozone and put it back in. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's one of my favorite things. The joke in the office is if it burned down, I would run and grab my ozone machine and go home <laughs> because it, it, it really does. It's like one of these things just it, – it, we always want to try to find these like catch-alls in, in medicine and dentistry and it's the closest thing we have. Like it, it really it really works works awesome. Like sores, like it, it's just got a ton of uses. So that's it's amazing. Great. Let's yeah. let's talk about um the jaw. Yeah. Uh so I, I saw on your website you you treat temporal mandibular dysfunction issues with the jaw joint. Um so I want you to talk about that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So TMJ or, you know, people call it TMJ, but it's temporal mandibular joint disorder, right? You probably see a lot of it. Um, and you know, a lot of it goes into, in my, my, you know, most of my training and, and what we're leaning towards now is a lot of people have underdeveloped jaws, right? You know, that's a huge problem. I know, um, you know, friends of ours, Dr. Goals, this kind of his jam, that's what he treats all the time, right? And so a lot of people you'll find have that, you know, upper jaw is too small. And then the lower jaw gets retreated back, pushes in on the condyle space, and then causes joint dysfunction, 
right? So you can, you know, you can help out with that if they want to go through expansion and we can get them over to Dr. Goals or if they want to do orthodontics, we can kind of do that to try to pull that lower jaw forward. But sometimes we're just actually, you know, patients, that's not a good option for them. Like, oh gosh, you know, I'm older. I got, you know, maybe they have a bunch of dentistry in there and they're like, well, if I do that, am I compromising all the dentistry that I have? And so then we do mouth guards and, and different things or mandibular advancement devices to just kind of pull and decompress that, decompress that jaw joint, you know? So, that's a lot of what we do. And, and sometimes it's a little bit different, but then mo- most of the cases, like 90% of them, it's like, okay, that, that the lower jaw is just cranking on that, that disc space and it's really causing problems, you know? So decompressing that is usually what we're doing for, for TM, for TM, uh, TMJ issues. Yeah. But if you actually have one that's like chronically inflamed, you can actually inject ozone into the joint. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that actually really helps just kind of like re-lubricate it. Cause it actually bring blood flow to the area. So ozone will break off and actually just bring blood to any area, which blood is healing, right? So if you have some space that's like chronically um, shut down, then then that's a that's another that's another problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to look into this ozone stuff. It's pretty yeah. cool, man. You know, and actually, what, another thing you can think of too. You know, when we talk about like either joint dysfunction or teeth dysfunction, you know, we give dental anesthetics, right? Mm-hmm. So we use epinephrine is the strongest drug like known to man like it's hugely like it's what our body produces to put us into fight or flight it's how we run you know so we use that in our dental anesthetics well if you have somebody that and we use it to shut blood flow off right like that's why it works and it lets the anesthetic stay in or you know surgeons love it because they use it and they get a dry field right they Mm. can see everything right but you're shutting down blood flow to your lower jaw for two to three hours. Oh, wow. You know, so if you do, a, if you have, you know, I don't know how much dentistry you've had, but if you have a, you know, you need a filling on a back molar, you have to, you have to numb that. Well, if you have a lot of work down there, like some people have chronic dental issues, right? They're, you know, constant wheels in the dentist for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, so if they've had a bunch of work down there, every time you go back and you numb that, like you're putting epinephrine back into the inferior alveolar um, blood vessel and nerve back there shuts everything down. You get super numb, but it shuts down most of the blood flow. So then you're two hours with really relatively little blood flow, whatever's there. Like it's not, not a ton. I mean, there's still some, sure, but it's not what it should be. Right. So wow. like when you do that, like do you then get chronic, just like sensitivity pain. And so we have a couple patients that we've, we've treated with just doing like ozone injections, especially on the top, just to try to re get blood flow and re try to re establish like good flow in that area. Cause people with a lot of dental work, sometimes it gets dysregulated and shut down, you know, so it can be, can be a problem. Yeah. Wow. This is fascinating. I, if I'm going to summarize what I'm hearing, it's, if if you're so so speaking to the listeners now, but if you're someone that's dealt with, um, I guess when we think of comorbidities, you've mentioned fibromyalgia a few times, uh-huh. um, chronic migraine symptoms. Yeah, uh, what else falls into that category? I mean, as far as systemic inflammation and things that you're seeing pop up. Oh gosh, um, yeah, you know the big ones that we see with a lot of our patients. Um, you were starting to see now like a lot more Lyme patients. You Lyme, know, that's, okay. Yeah, that's coming up coming up quite a bit more, and I, I truly think most people have some some of it. Um, but yeah, it really is the um, 
Well, people with, uh, you know, they don't methylate things. That's probably the most common thing I see in my practice. So the, it's the patients with just, um, they have the a variance in the MTHFR gene, you know, so until you like, unless you're one of those patients that know, you know, like you don't, you don't know that you have it, but a lot of people do, you know, so you just don't break down medications. You don't break down this, you know, if you have a knee, like the knee failed, you know, you had a, a, an implant and you push the implant out, like your body doesn't tolerate those things. So I see a lot of patients with MTHFR variants, you know, because we're aware of it and we can deal with it and treat it and go around those things. Um, but then that also leads into you really use those bucket list syndromes, the chronic fatigue, um, fibromyalgia, the, those type of things, you know, the lupus, the autoimmune issues, but those are a little bit more rare. You know, I would probably say the majority of patients I see have a, uh, uh, methylation problems, like they don't break down things or, um, then chronic fatigue is the next big one. I, I see a lot of, mm-hmm. yeah. How do you, how do you test for that? Methylation problems. So uh, do you, would someone have to see a provider like you that, that thinks no, this way or is they would, this... they would have to go see, like get a genetic test from like a functional medicine doctor. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's you, probably functional medicine that's, that's mm-hmm. looking down that road. Yeah. Okay. Usually functional medicine. And then they come in a lot of times now I just, I see it in my patients and I kind of just, I, I, I honestly just assume it's all my patients now because I see it and, you know, cause I talk to them, I'm like, you know what I can, you can kind of infer it from just health history, you know, like you talk to them and you're like, okay, like, well, how's your, you know, how's your surgery goes? Oh, it was a nightmare. You know, like, well, you know, who do you see for a doctor? Oh, I see this person, but I have them on my speed dial. It's like, well, why do you have your doctor in speed dial? Nothing goes right with me. Like everything's always like anytime I have anything done, like it's always a problem, you know? So I have my, I have my providers on speed dial, you Mm -hmm. know? And so those patients, you're like, all right, like, you're probably not breaking, like, you know, like there's a reason, like there's a reason you don't, you can't adapt, right? The human body is one of the most adaptable things in nature, I think, you know, so when you have a patient that doesn't adapt, like there's a, there's something internal that's going on, you know, maybe it's leaky gut, right? Maybe it's something, but you know, it's, it's usually there's a genetic component where you don't methylate appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. So just not to beat a dead horse here or like get on too much of a tangent. But when we're talking about people not breaking things down because of a genetic component, um, I'm assuming the treatment there is just to make sure all these systems are functioning well, because if we give it any other reason to, to lower their threshold or introduce any sort of infection, they're just not going to handle it well. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Yeah. 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 So a lot of these patients, you know, if we get a patient that hasn't you know, had a good history, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, dentistry has been, they've had a lot of failing, you know, I see them and they've had a lot of failing dentistry, but you kind of do a deeper dive and be like, okay, well, you know, what's going on medically? Like, how have you tolerated this? And they've, you know, they have the same kind of history in going to that. Then it's like, okay, it's time to put a little bit of a pause and we got to get our functional medicine partners in and they have to help us get all those systems working. So then we can get, and then maybe we have to do some cleanup. Like, you know, you have to do some cleanup of maybe removing failing root canals, you know, cause probably those patients you know, might have a couple failing root canals cause they've had a lot of dentistry, but they can't support the root canals. So you have to do that cleanup, maybe clean up some periodontal disease. But then when you stick, started getting ready to do the rebuild, right. Then, then it's like, okay, now we have to set you up efficiently so your body's healthy enough so you can support this amount of dentistry right right you know so it's uh it's definitely a, it's an undertaking right like to do it right it's not that drill and fill like you can't just come in and i'm like oh i'll just drill out this whole filling and put another one in you know it's like great but that's not 
addressing the whole the whole thing. And that's where people end up with me because they've done that drill and fill so many times. And by the get to me, they've spent a small fortune. You know, I mean, it's not uncommon for patients to come in and be like, you know, I've probably spent a hundred grand on my mouth in the last. 20 years and then it's like okay well now we have to kind of that didn't work so now what do we just take a step back and you know then we we look at airway you know and we look at systems and then we look at how are we going to get all those things together so we can make a, a cohesive functioning unit right that doesn't have headaches that doesn't have all these problems and they can chew and eat efficiently right and because it's a it's important you know the the mouth if you if you don't have it it's where you you have a substandard and you can't chew like that really plays a role on you emotionally like well physically just consuming nutrition but it's also it's a mental emotional confidence thing you know like if you are one of those people that just close their mouth and don't smile and don't show their teeth like it takes a, it, it's a it's an emotional toll on them. yeah 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 so i think i might have went on a tangent on if i answered no, your that question was great. that was fantastic <laughs> i i was just yeah i'm just soaking it in this is this has honestly been incredibly helpful and i'm speaking for myself i think i can speak for the listeners as well oh, but great. yeah seriously just the it's unlocking uh, like just other avenues right and yeah i think for listeners they're they're probably hearing some of themselves in what we're talking about here. And uh, these are people that are frustrated. They've lost hope. They've kind of hit roadblock after roadblock. Uh, they don't even know how to navigate the healthcare system. And uh, I don't even, I don't know if they even are provided with the avenues or structure to know what to do next, right? Uh, it can be really challenging to know how to take care of yourself um, just because this information, like what we're talking about, is it's not out there. I mean, how are people finding you? And and this um, this is my curiosity. Is it is it like they're driven to you because of failed dentistry in the past? Are they driven to you because they're, they're like researching and finding on their own? How are people finding you? Yeah, it's usually they end up researching on their own. Okay. You know, it's usually how people find me. And then they kind of fall into this, like, they kind of get into the rabbit hole of, like, you know, oral health and holistic dentistry or biologic dentistry. You know, that's usually kind of what cues them. Like, they're they're dealing with a problem or something or they've had, like – uh, you know, or a family member that's dealt with a problem, then they saw a biologic or a holistic dentist, and then they kind of come through in that route. But usually it's something like they have a medical or dental issue that's kind of prompted them or a family has, and then they've had a good experience, and then they come see me. Right. But, you know, that's a, I, I think that's a major issue in the alternative health kind of realm. There's just so much out there, right? And there's a, there's a lot of misinformation, you know, which yeah. is which is which is bad. And so to navigate that, especially if, if somebody doesn't have, you know, any type of medical degree, you know, you're almost getting one just from your own like right? like you're you're digging down and you're doing that research. Yeah. You See, know? it's the age of information. I mean, yeah. It used to be that you're you're paying for the information discrepancy or knowledge discrepancy. But nowadays you can almost access just about anything your provider has access to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there's experiencing and deciphering that information and all that. But, 
yeah, I've got some pretty smart people that know a lot when they come to see me. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good thing. Like it's, it's I, really I enjoy helpful. it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love all the questions and I, I love it. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I can't, I can't answer it. Um, you know, but if you, if you know more than me, send me what you saw yeah. and then, like, let's talk about it. Right. I'll, I'll always say like, I don't think there's any more well-educated person than a parent who has a kid with something, oh, right? Yeah, like if you totally. have a parent who has like, the kid has a problem, like they are going to be there. Like I, I've had kids and you know, my kids have had medical issues and like, you don't sleep for two weeks. Like you just read and read and like, how am I going to fix this? And how am I going to fix this? And so those people come in and I'm just like, okay, like we're going to have a, we're going to have a discussion. Like this isn't a one way, this isn't me dictating. Like we need to, we need to just talk this through and find out a good plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. That's great, Jeff. Well, we'll wrap up any, any like final words or summary. I mean, it's, um, yeah, we unpacked a lot. Um, any, yeah, whether it's encouragement or takeaways yeah. for our listeners. No, I, I always just encourage, um, you know, people, listeners, patients, just, uh, to be advocates for your own health, yeah. you know, do your yeah. research, do, you know, don't ever just take what somebody says for, as that's gospel, you know, like we are in the information age and you need to, you need to, you know, take ownership of your own health now and, and be like, find somebody who's going to mesh with your philosophies. So, you know, hopefully I, I at least educated a couple people today and they can make some informed decisions. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, John. As, uh, as always on the Headache Doctor podcast, it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication, allowing you to thrive in everything you do. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast. I know that you have a lot of options in how you spend your time and how you consume information around headaches and migraines. I just wanted a quick ask because the only way that we grow this podcast and continue this mission is if you subscribe, share this podcast, and of course, leave us a five-star review. Those are cherished and it makes my day when I see someone's story come through as a five-star review and how this podcast podcast has been able to help you. Thank you so much again for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast, and I'll see you next week.